We want to especially uh, welcome many guests that we have here on this campus. Um, guests who um, would have been in many of your shoes, students, not that long ago, or at least in the years of the way that God looks at time, not that long ago. Welcome to our alumni here this weekend. Uh, today we start off our alumni weekend with this very special chapel. It's also special because we are also privileged to have some distinguished guests here with us, guests that include award recipients of three very different distinguished awards that are given to alumni each year, the awards of Culture for Service, Champions of Character, and Decade of Servant Leadership. And you'll be hearing more about those awards and the people a bit later in this service. And you also get to hear some faith stories of two of the award recipients about how faith has informed their vocation, how faith has helped them guide themselves in the paths that they have chosen, the decisions that they have chosen, or the ways that God has chosen things for them. We'll get to hear a bit of that. Today is also another special day because God is indeed here among us and within our midst. For our guests present on campus today, the banner behind me to my right is the theme of campus ministries for this year that we are living with, that we are exploring this year. And also, as we do every Friday morning chapel, we light this lamp here to my right to recognize that God's presence is swirling around among us, within us, in this very sacred half hour that we have. May we experience God's ever-present and ever-active ways in this world through the singing that we will do this morning, through the hearing of the testimonies that we will have received this morning. I will also uh, let you know that this morning is a specially extended chapel, and we'll go to about 1045 this morning. Let us pray together. Holy God, with all your saints across the generations, we gather this morning to approach your mystery and to hear of your loving and leading ways. We come seeking the faith of those who have gone before us in righteousness and truth. Lead us by your word to walk in your ways and observe your commandments. Amen. In the blue hymnal, please turn to number 43. Number 43, Christ is our cornerstone. Lane will play a short introduction. I invite you to stand.
Good morning, and welcome to this morning's chapel and our honoring of some of the special awards from Goshen College. I am Kelly Burkholder King, and I am the Director of Alumni, Church, and Parent Relations. Now, some of you in this audience might wonder what is your connection to me and the alumni audience. But in not too long, you will have graduated, and you will be an alumna or an alumnus, and we will find you. Our office is very good at that. In his opening convocation for our school year, President Jim Brenneman told us that we have the power, and I'm quoting, to shape who we are by choosing what core values we place at the center of our being. End quote. When you make the college's core values part of your story, that commitment will be reflected in how you work, how you live, how you serve, and how you interact with the world around you. The story you create here will become part of the story we will all tell together, the Goshen College story that we all share with the world. Just take five seconds and look around you at your classmates. In 10 to 20 years, you can be pretty confident that at least one person in this room will be back here and we will be honoring them as a Goshen College recipient of either the Culture for Service Award, the Decade of Servant Leadership Award, or the Champions of Character Awards. You might already have some ideas of who that might be. The Culture for Service Awards were initiated by the Alumni Board to recognize alumni who have served the college, community, church, and the world or whose professional and personal achievements are models of the college's motto, Culture for Service. The Decade of Servant Leadership Award was created in 2004 to recognize young alumni who have done this prior to or during their 10th year reunion class. The Champion of Character Awards honor a male and female alumni athlete who exemplify the college's core values in their lives, their work, and their community and church. Today, we want to recognize seven people who represent and live out the core values as passionate learners, compassionate peacemakers, global citizens, and servant leaders in their work, their service, their interactions with others and the world. Each of these individuals reflects the spirit of the prophet Micah doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly before our God. And each was very surprised and humbled to learn that they were to be recipients of these awards. I'll introduce each of these to you briefly. Following these brief introductions, Dale Kempf, a Culture of Service Award recipient, and Jana Hunter Bowman, the Decade of Servant Leadership Award recipient, will describe in a little more depth how their faith has affected or intersected with their work. Then at the very end of chapel, we will have the awards actually presented by the alumni chair, Tim Manicum, and by the board chair of the Maple Leaf Athletic Club, Pat Venderly. If you all would please stand when I say your name, remain standing and we'll applause. The Culture for Service Award recipients are Jim and Virginia Minninger are honored for their commitment and leadership at LCC International University, a small Christian liberal arts university in Lithuania. 
Paul Myers, a Culture for Service Award recipient, is honored for his long-term work on international fair trade issues. Dale Kempf is honored for his work as a researcher developing some of the early antiviral HIV and AIDS drugs. The Decade of Servant Leadership Award goes to Jana Hunter Bowman for her work with Justapaz working on human rights issues in Colombia. The Dr. Ruth Gundon Champion of Character Award recipient, Trinda Bishop, for her commitment and dedication to community, service, education, and supporting Mennonite higher education in particular. And the Dr. Roman Gingrich Champion of Character Award, John Ingold, for his many years of work in physical education as professor, professor and coach at GC and his endless hours of volunteer work for any one of Goshen's 14 athletic teams. I will introduce you a little bit more to Dale Kempf, who will be telling his first um, one of the alumni faith stories. From a young age, Dale, class of 78, had a passion for science. My cousin and I used to do experiments with our chemistry sets until my aunt kicked us out of their basement for creating too many bad smells, he says. Fortunately for him and the world, his enthusiasm was not diminished by this. Dale attended Heston College as a music major and then Goshen College as a chemistry major. After completing a doctorate in organic chemistry at the University of Illinois, Dale went on to work at Abbott Laboratories. He and his colleagues invented some of the most potent antiviral drugs in the world. Two, Norvir and Kalitra, I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly, significantly advanced the treatment of HIV and AIDS, allowing people with the disease to live quality lives most, almost with undetectable levels of HIV in their blood. Actually, no detectable levels of HIV in their blood. He says, although the HIV epidemic worldwide is still devastating, it's, not, it's now more than drugs that are needed. Rather, access, more prevention, and more education. Dale has received numerous awards, has co-authored scientific publications, and is co-inventor of many US patents. Dale is married to Kay Miller Kempf, 77, graduate, lives in Liberty, Libertyville, Illinois. They attend North Suburban Mennonite Church and have two sons here at Goshen, Scott, a sophomore, and David, a senior. Well, thank you, Kelly. And, uh... I'd like to say that, first of all, I'm deeply honored and humbled to be here in front of you this morning. Uh, I think of all the awards that I've gotten, this one means the most. <clears throat> I'm also well out of my comfort zone because those of you who know me know that usually when I'm in front of people, I either have a laser pointer in my hand or a guitar slung over my shoulder. So bear with me. Uh, and finally, I feel conflicted because somehow I think the version of culture for service in my life and career is, seems so much less self-denying uh, self than what we'll hear from Jana Hunter-Bowman uh, next. Be that as it may, I think, as I think over my personal career since the journeys, my personal journey since the days when I was a student here at Goshen, the words that come to my mind are 
those of Christian recording artist Jaden Lavick, who sings that one day you wake up to find you're right where you're supposed to be. And with the benefit of 30 years of hindsight since those days, I can see now the evidence of God leading me to where I am supposed to be. I think in particular of important voices in my life, the voice of Heston College chemistry professor Jim Yoder, who when I really didn't know what I wanted to do, one day remarked, well, Goshen has a good chemistry program. The voice of Larry Garber, inorganic chemistry professor, who insisted that I stay after class one evening to talk about graduate school. The voices of our good friends, Patty and Jeff Yorty, who, when they learned that Kay and I might return to Illinois after my postdoctoral research, said, we're thinking of starting a Mennonite church. And finally, the voice of Jake Platner, my former supervisor at Abbott, who in 1987 walked into the lab and said, Dale, there's a new paper out that speculates that the AIDS virus has a protease. Now, these words may not sound like much, but for me, they were life-changing. A protease is a common type of enzyme, and I was already working on compounds that could inhibit proteases. If HIV had such a protease, the implication was that we might be able to stop the virus in its tracks. To work on a problem of this magnitude was the opportunity of a lifetime. AIDS is the most, most lethal infectious disease in human history. The virus invades the immune system of the patient, targeting the very cells whose purpose it is to fight off such infections. Over the years, the body's defenses are depleted to a tiny fraction of their healthy state, and patients succumb to the everyday normal organisms that reside within our various organs. In some parts of the world, the ailment is known as slim disease because its victims become so emaciated they seem almost to wilt away. In the early days of the epidemic, those with this mysterious disease were ostracized by their friends, families, and churches. AIDS became the leprosy of the late 20th century. Some Christians loudly declared that AIDS was God's punishment for a gay lifestyle. But AIDS also attracted an unprecedented level of scientific inquiry, and new advances enabled scientists to understand how HIV uses its host, namely a human, to reproduce itself. Modern techniques allowed visualization of the three-dimensional structure of proteins like the protease and opened them up to targeting by medicinal chemists like myself. It was at this level that my personal encounter with HIV began. Our task was to design and synthesize compounds that stick in the mouth of the protease, a little like molecular peanut butter. This is far from an exact science, and hundreds of different compounds were made and tested to find those that fit the best. It's also a lengthy process. To be a useful drug, a compound needs to be taken by the mouth, absorbed into the bloodstream, and remain there to be effective against the virus. All this without producing unacceptable side effects and toxicities. The vast majority of compounds don't have what it takes and finding the right one is complex and costly. But on rare occasions, when everything comes together, it can be almost magical. In our first clinical trial, the amount of virus in patients' blood declined by more than a hundredfold within days. 
Ultimately, researchers learned how to combine multiple drugs together into potent cocktails that drive the virus down to undetectable levels in virtually all patients. If the replication of the virus is blocked, the body's immune system begins to reconstitute itself. By 1996, the death rate from AIDS in the US, which had been rising steadily since 1985, began to plummet. Hospital wards that had been full of dying AIDS patients were empty. Twelve years later, there's still much to do. HIV infection is still incurable, so the life-saving therapies are, by necessity, lifelong. And prevention comes only through education. The epidemic rages among our less developed global neighbors, where lack of resources and lack of medical infrastructure translate into lack of access. But each year, more of our drug is distributed in Africa than in all previous years combined, sold at cost. And with proper therapy, HIV infection is no longer a death sentence, and those who are infected can lead normal, productive lives. So how do I feel as I look back on the last 30 years? I feel extraordinarily blessed. Blessed to be able to use my talents in small ways to make a difference. Blessed to have had the opportunity to work with hundreds of other scientists to contribute to something that was bigger than all of us. And blessed to be able to see God's work in other parts of my life as well. Today, my sons David and Scott attend Goshen, as Kelly mentioned. The North Suburban Mennonite Church is a relatively small but thriving congregation. And at Abbott, my colleagues and I are working to discover new drugs to treat another silent killer, the hepatitis C virus. So to those of you who sit in these benches several times a week, I encourage each of you to listen to the voices around you and the passions inside of you, for I'm convinced that they are the voice of God. So thank you very much. And our young, relatively speaking especially, um, Decade of Servant Leadership Award, Jana Hunter Bowman, year of 2000. After Jana graduated from Goshen College in 2000 with a degree in anthropology and sociology, she knew she wanted to do something different and meaningful. <clears throat> she was longing for a more radical peace action from the North American Mennonite Church church when she heard of the Colombian Mennonites and learning of their politically astute and action-oriented community, she wanted to participate with what they were doing. In 2001, Gianna moved to Bogota, Colombia to work with Justa Paz, a Christian center for justice, peace, and nonviolent action. She was active in developing a program that advocates public policy changes to promote peace in Colombia based on primary source documentation of human rights violations against churches. Along with this, she also documents stories of faith-based peace initiatives throughout Colombia. The goal of the documentation program is to contribute to truth, justice, and a nonviolent solution to the armed conflict, she says. 
The real life stories are our foundation for the recommendations we make to governments, both here and in Colombia and internationally. In 2001, she started a Sister Peace Church program and has worked as the International Education and Advocacy Program Coordinator, in which she investigates the effects of US policy on churches, I'm sorry, on churches and civil society in general. After spending six years in Colombia, she has fallen in love with the country and its people. Colombia offers the world more than coffee and cocaine, she states. The enduring faithful who creatively confront the death-dealing powers to transform conflict and seek peace have much to teach us. They both invite and indict. They invite radical discipleship that gives hope. They indict the narratives of imperial power, lies, and tepid Christianity. Jana lives in Colombia with her husband, Jeff, and her seven-month-old daughter, Amara. She attends Teus Akio Mennonite Church. Jana is originally from Bally, Pennsylvania. Faith defined by hope, and courage in the midst of cruelty. That's what originally attracted me to Colombia, South America, a country of contrasts in the midst of armed conflict. I had just graduated from Goshen College when I left for Colombia. The Goshen College core values resonated with me then as they do now. I was freshly equipped with a social science toolkit, a burden for a hurting world, and a fierce determination to be part of the solution. I was captivated by the radical peace witness of Columbia's Mennonite Church. As Kelly mentioned, in the six years that I've worked with Hustapaz, I've held various jobs. I currently coordinate a national monitoring program for observation on human rights violations and peace work. We record stories of victimization and make known the war crimes suffered by non-Catholic Christian communities, complementing the work of sister Catholic organizations. It takes personal interviews to gather meaningful testimony because phone lines are often tapped and email is not secure. For many, the government's formal procedure for receiving testimonies of abuse is neither trustworthy nor safe. Actions perceived as questioning and therefore challenging civil order and authority, be it formal or informal, are grounds for harassment and persecution in Colombia. This includes public criticism of government authorities, assisting war victims, and social organizing for peace movement building. But these are all forms of nonviolent civil resistance as counseled on the Sermon on the Mount. We also highlight the acts of resistance and constructive alternatives to violence implemented by church communities. Through sowing and living out these seeds of hope, churches are agents of transformation in the midst of the ongoing armed conflict. These efforts aim to contribute to a culture of respect for human rights and a nonviolent solution to, to Colombia's civil war and profound social injustice. But, as likely you've heard, there are consequences for challenging the ruling powers and seeking social transformation. I have friends who are living under death threat, who have recently gone into exile, and others who have been killed. I'll share a few stories. Investigators have made no progress on the two cases that I'm going to share with you. 
The first case is one that affects me personally. On June 14th of last year, in the wee hours of the morning, two intruders broke in through the roof of Hustapaz, they disabled the alarm systems, and they stole two computers. One of them was mine. What they apparently wanted, given the items of value left behind, was highly sensitive information on war victims, those who document the cases, and local churches working for peace. The hundreds of victims who have dared to share their secret truth with us feared reprisals for speaking out. The volunteers who take risks to document cases, however, were the most likely targets after the political theft. I was nervous for them, but they said to me, Jana, these are the logical consequences of following Christ in an insecure environment. We know this. But fear used as a political tool was denied its victory. Hustapaz and our many partners around the country stood firm. We are convinced that we have no choice but to work towards true reconciliation, not only in this case, but in the thousands of life stories of violence and victimization that have taken place, we wrote in a communique after the, the break-in. And praise God, we have not experienced additional harassment. The outpouring of response from the international community was decisive. Colleagues from other organizations that do not enjoy international support have suffered additional break-ins, attacks, and personal death threats. Many of you were a part of the response that contributed to creating the grace that we now know. I thank you. I want Colombian sisters and brothers who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death to know this same grace. The advocacy component of our program aims to intervene in individual situations within a longer-term goal of just peacebuilding. Emblematic cases highlight failed government policies we want to transform, trends we want to reverse. Or, in the following situation, individual stories shine through the political smokescreen aimed to ensure the continued flow of funds to the government of Colombia and its political and economic elite. Case two, our location are the steamy jungles of Tierra Alta in northwestern Colombia. Tierra Alta is the site of negotiations between the government and the leaders of the paramilitary umbrella organization, AUC. These negotiations took place in 2004. And I should mention that the AUC is on the list of US world terrorist organizations. These events took place in 2007 and into this year. Pastor Rosendo was hunted down by heavily armed men, allegedly re-armed members of a paramilitary group that had formally laid down their weapons and reintegrated into civilian life. When the police went down to his town to investigate that same day, they traveled in a vehicle owned and operated by the paramilitary leader who was responsible for ordering his assassination. Later, two of his neighbors were killed. As the months progressed, despite international accompaniment, death threats persisted. Pastor Rosendo, his wife, and their children eventually fled for their lives. I have more information on this case, and I have action sheets. I invite you to approach me or come tomorrow to the back to the classroom for more information on how to become involved in this case and others like it. Identifying with and responding to people who bear the brunt of violence inflamed by our government's official policies is a meaningful way of being church. 
I've learned that it's not a matter of struggling for the oppressed, for the victims. In very important ways, we are the oppressed. In the post 9-11 era, we are more aware than ever that our fates are interconnected. Our very salvation is intertwined. Walking with my Colombian community that willingly, passionately carries the cross is a privilege. Sharing in their joys and struggles is deeply fulfilling. The faith modeled by the Colombian Mennonites has provided a provocative personal and political theological home for me. It invites and challenges a fresh interpretation of personal and social transformation based in Jesus' message, the kingdom of God present, here, and now. Victims who are also prophet inspire hope in Jesus, who embodied God's passion for justice and wholeness in all things, or shalom. As maybe you can tell, this is something of my passion. Now I ask, what is yours? Identifying your passion will lead you to your truest vocation and the most fulfilling way to live your core values. Ask yourself, what am I willing to live and die for? According to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. I invite you to find your faith and to live inside your hope. Identify, think back, in the nights when you are alone, where is the injustice that tears you apart? But don't run from her. Go to her. Walk a line alongside the infliction that makes your blood boil and let it hurt, because it will. Take risks. Columbia has much to offer Goshen College and her students, and I hope that you come and visit us again. But Columbia, as a geographical place, is not for everyone. But do cross over. Live beyond the half-truths and cosmetic facades shielding you from the brilliant life, light of life that exists most brightly on the brink of death. Go to the place where suffering and hope meet and live there. Perhaps you, like me, will find your salvation at that meeting point. But, and this is important, discern and speak truth in community. This is very different than the Peace Rambo or Lone Ranger approach. And so I modify the words of Audre Lorde that hung in the sociology and anthropology department when I was a senior, when I say, when we dare to be powerful, to use our strength in the service of our vision, it becomes less and less important when I am afraid. Through living Hebrews 11-style faith in community, I have seen, we have seen, and we will continue to see that circumstances change. To students and to Goshen College, then, I say, find your passion. Cross over to the heart of the suffering. Live in bold hope, for God is with us. Thank you. Thank you, Jana. In your green books, we'd like to sing a song of response, number 51. The words of this song gather together many of the themes of Jana's 
talked to us just now. It's about working together as the church to be bold, to go where God leads us. Lane will play an introduction. I'm Tim Monicum, President of the Alumni Board of Goshen College, and at this time, on behalf of the board, we would actually like to present the awards to the recipients. So as I call your name, please uh, come up and receive. For each of them, we have beautifully designed works of art that were designed and created especially for this by Professor Emeritus of Art, uh, Marvin Bartel. So first, I'd like to invite uh, Jim and Virginia Menninger to come up. So Jim, Jim, on behalf of the Goshen College Alumni Board, I'm pleased to present you with this Culture for Service Award for 2008. We take this opportunity to recognize the significant contributions you have made as a teacher, as a leader, and as an administrator. And Virginia, on behalf of the Goshen College Alumni Board, I'm pleased to present you with the Culture for Service Award for 2008, and we also take this opportunity to recognize the significant contributions you have made as both an educator and as a teacher. Thank you very much. And, you know, at this chapel award, uh, ceremony, we don't have time for all the recipients to speak, but they will be speaking tomorrow morning at the alumni breakfast, for those of you who want to hear from Jim and Virginia. This time I'd like to invite Paul Myers to come up, please. 
Paul, on behalf of the Goshen College Alumni Board, I'm pleased to present you with the Culture for Service Award for 2008. We want to take this opportunity to recognize the significant contributions you have made in the service of God, the church, and the world in the areas of economic development, empowerment, social equity, and poverty alleviation. And Paul will be speaking today at the, at the lunch, special luncheon at noon, so we'll have a chance to hear from him then. So Dale, please come forward. Dale, I think you got a little bit of a fan club back there this morning, huh? On behalf of the Goshen College Alumni Board, I'm pleased to present you with the Culture for Service Award for 2008. We take this opportunity to recognize the significant contributions you have made in the service of God, the church, and the world in the area of research and the development of important drugs, as you shared with us earlier, which help the sick live full and productive lives. Janet, please come up. So Jana, on behalf of the Goshen College Alumni Board, I'm pleased to present you with the Decade of Servant Leadership Award. It's an amazing award and your story was very inspiring. We take this opportunity to recognize the significant contributions you have made in the area of human rights. So at this time, I'm going to invite uh, Tim DeMott and Pat Vanderlee to come and present the next award. Good morning. My name is Tim DeMott, and I am the athletic director here at the college and a member of the Maple Leaf Athletic Club board. Uh, I am delighted this morning to be a part of the presentation for our Champion of Character Award. These two awards are named in honor of two pioneers in intercollegiate athletics here at Goshen, Dr. Ruth Gundon and Dr. Roman Gingrich. We are privileged to have Ruth Gundon and Roman Gingrich's wife, Shirley, and their daughter, uh, Sarah Wengard, with us this morning, and I invite them to stand and be recognized. These, these awards were created to recognize former Goshen College student-athletes who have gone on to exemplify the champion of character core values, integrity, respect, sportsmanship, responsibility, and servant leadership. At this time, I'd like to ask Pat Benderley, board chair of the Maple Leaf Athletics Club, to present the champion of character awards to Trinda Bishop and John Ingold. Trinda, on behalf of Goshen College Maple Leaf Athletic Club Board, I'm pleased to present you with the Dr. Ruth Gundon Champion of Character Award. As a former Goshen College athlete and graduate with a degree in physical education, and as a physical education teacher and active church member in Colorado, 
you have modeled Goshen College's core values in your life, work, and community service. In selecting you as recipient of this award, we were warmed and cheered by your example to us all as an award-winning teacher who taught public school students to give back to their community. Your work to establish, organize, and nurture a fund at the First Mennonite Church of Denver for financial support of students who attend Mennonite colleges and your role in creating the Gundon Bishop Scholarship for Goshen College athletes represent a true labor of love on behalf of college students in Goshen College. Your selfless acts of support to students, your church, and the broader community make you an inspiring example of a champion of character. May God bless your efforts and be with you as you continue to serve those around you. John, Professor. <laughs> On behalf of the Goshen College Maple Leaf Athletic Club Board, I am pleased to present you with the Dr. Roman Gingrich Champion of Character Award. We take this opportunity to recognize your exemplary servant leadership and loyalty to the mission of Goshen College. In selecting you as the recipient of this award, we were deeply moved by all that you have meant to Goshen College Athletics. You have been a Goshen College student athlete in your youth, a professor of physical education in your professional life, and a faithful volunteer in your retirement. Your unwavering support of Goshen students and your passion for Goshen College physical education and athletics has earned you a special place in all of our hearts. Thank you for teaching and modeling integrity, respect, and servant leadership. You are truly a champion of character. May God bless your efforts as you continue to serve those around you. Just a quick reminder that immediately following this, there is a recipient. Uh, there is a reception for all of the recipients right across the hallway here in the gathering rooms. And just a request that maybe right afterwards you allow the um, recipients to go ahead so they can get in line before all the rest of you. Um, this morning, I hope, has been a time of worship, a time of inspiration, hearing the stories of what culture for service at Goshen College has come to exemplify in the lives of these alumni. And I hope for the students here this morning it serves as an inspiration for, you, for what you can do with your life as you leave. Earlier this morning, Kelly King spoke about the words of the prophet Micah, who calls us to walk humbly before our God, to do justice, to love kindness. Jesus, at the end of Matthew, calls on the Great Commission for all of us to preach the gospel. And the words of St. Francis in the 13th century says, to preach the gospel always but you don't always have to use words. Culture for service, I think, exemplifies that. And as we leave this morning, I ask you to keep the words of Micah in your mind, to walk humbly before our God and to go as we work in service and in peace. Go in peace. <laughs>